Yeah, we should do that. Who wants to do the clap? Because we need to do a clap to sing uh, the video with a with a sound. So we need to do a clap. Like lighting well, camera action. Clap. Yeah, just clap. Oh, Greg could do that. You got the director. You just go in front of the in front of the camera and <laughs> say. It. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another video episode of CX Insider. This time, Adam and I talk to Matt Breadwork, head of customer cluster utility at Volvo Construction Equipment. In this episode, we talked about sustainability transformation in the construction industry and the challenges that come with it. Enjoy the episode, and if you do, subscribe to the podcast on your preferred channel. By the way, this podcast was brought to you by ACF Technologies, global leaders in customer experience management solutions. So uh, my name is Matt Spreborg, and uh, I'm Swedish, but I live here in the UK. I live in Cambridge. And uh, most of my time I've been, or all my time, I've been working for Volvo Construction Equipment and different different roles around the world. And uh, I've been in North America with Volvo. And uh, and now I'm uh, I'm uh, heading up uh, the utility segment or utility segment products. Uh, and we're looking for how we can take those into be electrified and take them into the market being zero emission machines uh, around the world. So so that's 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 me very quickly. So could you tell us a bit more about Volvo construction equipment and what's your role and what you're currently working on? Volvo construction equipment is part of Volvo Group and Volvo Group is uh, commercial vehicles and, and, and power. So um, we do uh, um, commercial vehicles like uh, Volvo trucks. We have a division that is called Volvo buses, that has city buses and coaches. And we have Volvo Penta that does a marine engine and power power. Uh, outlets so and construction equipment um, is is part of that group and 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 is separated from we're sharing the brand with with the with the Volvo car industry and then when it comes to my role then in, in Volvo construction equipment is is I work with the smaller products within Volvo construction equipment the one that you often see in cities like mini diggers mini excavators mini wheel loaders and so on uh, and and that we call the utility segment and we made a decision many years ago that we will take that segment in from being a diesel product, so a diesel products, into be electrified. So we have done investment or we are working with the investment of, of taking those products from being diesel unit to be electrified units. And the reason why we why we done that is that we, we signed up for the, the science-based target. So we have a timeline to get our whole range of products into electrification. And then it's obviously simpler with the smaller products because then we can utilize the technologies that we already have in the group uh, from Volvo buses, for instance. More and more companies are committing to reducing their carbon emissions. Some are heading in the right direction. Some are dealing with accusations of greenwashing. After the Paris Agreement, a legally binding treaty created in 2015, governments and companies around the world committed to taking the necessary actions to reduce the negative impact of climate change. As Matt's mentioned, science-based targets are targets that help companies achieve the goals of the Paris Agreement. This treaty is not the first agreement on tackling climate change. Before the Paris Agreement, there was also the Kyoto Protocol in 2005 and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change in 1992. Conversations about global warming have been going on for a while. Time is going fast and companies are under increasing pressure to tackle this issue. I think that uh, yeah, that we, we all have a responsibility towards uh, the, the, 
the challenge that the world is facing. And I think that each company should focus in on their their area where they are responsible for and develop those products and uh, services or, or whatever it is that they need to make that they make to do to make this uh, come down to zero. And and I think that there's a lot of good initiatives in around in the world, like the net zero initiatives that, that they can sign up to 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 make this happen. So um, yeah, and and I, I think also that it's so easy to look at some other areas and some other things. And it's much better to look at what we are responsible for and what we can do and take that to heart and, and get, get that done. So, um, and then also the other thing is that maybe we shouldn't strive for <clears throat> everything being perfect and a perfect solution. It's more about getting started, getting on the journey, get something done, maybe getting out of this like we always do this planning and visionary and so on. It's better to, to get something done. And, and get it out there and then learn from there and take the next step. According to a report conducted by the Committee on Climate Change, new technologies and fuels make only 38% of carbon emission cuts, whereas 62% consist of societal or behavioral changes. If companies commit to net zero, how much responsibility will fall on the employees? Yeah, I mean, just the simplest thing to think about is that how do you get from your home to work, and and what can you do from home to work to get your your uh, your um, CO two uh, down and or or do it better, and and so that's obviously one one thing. And the other thing is in the companies, I think that it would be great with some kind of uh, empowerment of the employees, like maybe maybe it's not training, but that they are empowered to do things, to do the right things uh, and, and come up with ideas and move that forward. And maybe we need to look at this, uh, at the whole management of, of this transition is done a little bit differently with empowerment of the employees to come up with ideas, to drive through those ideas, to do those small changes. And I think the, the sum of all those small changes will make a big impact. And, and, and if you if we think that it's going to be the cleverest guy that sits on the top that comes up with the idea and then it's going to go down from there on, that's not going to way that's going to happen. It's going to come from everywhere and go up. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think that it's it's probably more about empowerment than it is about education and, and training. Have you faced any employee resistance? Uh... Yeah, yeah, we we. Uh, yeah so uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to what what's close to yourself and the changes that you have to do yourself then then it could be when it affects yourself then it could be a little bit of a hard choice and uh, and then you're waiting for or people are waiting for to see what other people are doing uh, and then and and then obviously if they if they do something then then they go on that uh, bandwagon but then Sometimes it's hard for them, for people to take the first step. There is a growing number of consumers who opt for greener choices. Many want to live in sustainable homes, use public transport or cycle to work. Do they also care about how their homes were built? And we'll, we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit later. Like, should you be the first one to do this uh, transformation or should you, should you wait a little bit and see how other people are doing it? Um, but before that, what do you, looking at this from the consumer side, do you think consumers care about this? Do you think what are their perceptions of 
sustainable companies. <clears throat> so, so we are a B two B company. So we we do construction equipment that goes out in the uh, and sells to construction companies or contractors out in the and the, and the products that I represent or the product that I'm I'm working with is the smaller products that are in cities in that you mostly see around around the cities. And I think construction in the city is it's it's a little bit of a it's not the nicest thing because there is a lot of noise, there is pollution and around there. So, so people don't appreciate or like construction in the city. So, so there is a perception that the citizens of, of London, for instance, want it to be a better place to live and they want to get that to be better. So in everyone that we talk to about that we have fully sustainable products that are zero emission, they are electrically operated, everyone thinks it's a great idea. They think it's absolutely, that makes sense. It's lower noise. We understand the pollution. It's more than the CO2. There's other other harmful gases that comes out of a diesel engine, and that's very local. Uh, so they all buy into that. So we don't have a, we, we have a lot of support in the in the communities that, that this is, or when we talk to people, that this is the right way to, to go. But then from, from having that to support, to make it happen uh, is obviously another thing. Once a company commits to net zero targets, the challenge is to plan a detailed strategy to achieve this. According to netzeroclimate.org, net zero is a state in which the greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere are balanced by removal out of the atmosphere. Reduction of any emissions also needs to be done permanently, meaning once greenhouse gas is removed from the atmosphere, it should not leak over time, and planted forests should not be cut. The Volvo Group set net zero target by 2040. So how will they do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so first, first is that we signed up to the science-based target, which says that we're going to be net zero by 2050. So that mm -hmm. is like the the ultimate goal is 2050 we're net zero, and <clears throat> and then we we we're making product, we're making construction equipment product, and they have a life lifespan about 10 years. So our portfolio of products needs to be net zero or be emission free by 2040, like 10 years before the target, because it takes 10 years to swap out all the products that we have in the marketplace. And, and I, I don't know exactly the, the number, but, but it's, it's around 75 million tons of CO2 that those products, that that portfolio of 10 years of, of products out in the marketplace is, is emitting every year. So that's, if we if we can get by 2040 to have a full portfolio that is zero emission by 2040, then we will reach the goal. And but then if you look at the portfolio, we probably have 250 products from mm. small products to big products. So we need to deploy different technologies to to make that happen. So that's that's one thing, and that's our products in operation in the market. Then then the other thing is that the other problem is that we <clears throat> we by making the the products. Then we need to we emit some CO2. I mean, in the in the manufacturing process, yeah. it's much much smaller. So maybe I don't know exactly the numbers, but just to put it in perspective, so that if that was seventy million tons, then it maybe is seventy thousand tons that we do in in our own operation. And that we're also looking at the same thing that we need to get that done by 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 2050 then incomplete. But we have a checkpoint 30% by 2030, and then 50% by 2040, and then the rest. And then the third aspect of this is that we obviously have a supplier base. 
So we have a supplier base that also uh, gets the products or the, 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 the components to us. And a good example of that is that our products, since it's big construction equipment, is mostly done by, it's mostly, I mean, 80, 90% of the product is steel. And steel um, is, is, is a big, making steel is a big emission mm. of, of CO2. So, so fossil-free steel will make cut back in then in, in their supply chain of getting fossil-free steel. And we have produced a few machines and we partnered up with um, SSAB to, to develop fossil-free steel, steel. And we have machines in customers' hands with fossil-free steel. So it's three, three things. It's the supply, it's our own operation, and then it's also our machines in operation. All business transformations always come with high risks, one of which is financial. It does something a bit challenging. <laughs> it kind of leads on to a question I was going to ask. Listening to all of that, one of the biggest things that we probably need to talk about is the financial risks that all of those challenges that you've got actually take on with Volvo and other organizations of your kind of size. What kind of risks are there? Oh, it's a, it's a massive risk. And so, so there is no, if we go on the machines in operation, so like having machines ready then for this target, is that is that today they are based on a diesel technology uh, and and obviously we 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 engineered en engines for for hundreds of years and we have mm. factories and we have all of that um uh right now and then we need to then do something different with uh, elect electrification and then the investment and so and if we do that investment in electrical vehicles uh, and 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 build those capabilities and get that knowledge in house and that that investment to do that. What do you then do with with other things? <laughs> yeah. So so uh, so and then how do you how do you bet on this? Do you bet fifty fifty that we do half our investment on diesel, half on electric mobility, and see where the market go, or do we go all in on electrification? And a little bit of the problem that we have is that the product that I work with, the smaller product, we made a decision that we go all in on electrification. Mm -hmm. So we do 100% of investment on the electrification. And that means that we cannot meet the emission regulations on the diesel versions because we haven't done any investment there. So then at some point in time, there is new regulations and we have to stop them with the diesel versions. Mm -hmm. And then if we say, okay, now the market wasn't ready for electric machines and we have done the investments, then obviously we 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 have a little bit of a problem. I, I think that I think that everyone, uh, before I, I talk to, thinks that the investment is right, the focus is right, uh, but the timing, the yeah, timing, that yeah, that could be um, uh, the problem. Yeah, because if you if you don't invest in the diesel version, and then all of a sudden these emission things come out, and people aren't going to encu encourage to buy the electric version, as you said, and you put all your manufacturing and research into that. Then what do you do? Do you just do you do you quickly go back to doing a diesel version, or do you just stick with your original idea as go stay with electric? Yeah, I think we will stick with the original idea. Go with that. And 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 I think the car industry. I mean, there is no regulation saying that you have to have an an electric car. I mean, you can still buy a diesel mm. car, and you can buy a diesel car that meets the regulations. But the public opinion has swung to completely over towards electrification. So they so. So even if, I mean, there are incentives in many countries to do this, but, but you see that that shift has already happened. Yeah. But, and that has happened because one manufacturer, Tesla, stuck by the guns, mm -hmm. did the right thing, got to develop them to be 
so good that 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 people said, okay, now I go electric. Yeah. And Absolutely. and 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 then I would say that all the ones that were sticking with uh, the diesel kind of said, we will sort this out. They now have to switch over. So, I mean, yeah. all other manufacturers are switching over to fully electric cars too. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's tough uh, to be first. It's tough to be the leader in something. Uh, and we probably need to behave a little bit different being the leader or taking this well, That's what I was going to ask you. Because yeah. you're right, it would be different to be the leader and be the first people that are doing it or the first organization that are doing it. But would you prefer to be that rather than, let's say, or I suppose... Look at it, Tesla, for example. Now we can see that Tesla's so successful when we chatted earlier and you were saying they're going to sell like a million cars. And in hindsight, you go, yeah, I'd absolutely want to be the Tesla. But obviously, they've gone for a lot of work to get there. And if you're doing this first in terms of electric construction equipment, is that the right place to be? Or would you prefer to someone else did it and you learn from their mistakes? What do you think is going to be the easier approach? I think I think being first for Volvo fits Volvo very well. I think... Uh, being first for some of the other brands doesn't fit mm. them uh, and it will be a higher, bigger challenge. So Volvo is more like, um, has always been into this with sustainability. I mean, all, already in the 70s, we said that this is, uh, this is the main direction that we need to take. And we have innovated a lot around this. So it's, it's a space that we feel fairly comfortable going into. Okay. So, uh, and I think as a whole organization, we, we feel that we can take that space. But then, then it requires that we operate a little bit differently from how we operate be, be, before. And, and um, that shift is, is probably going to be hard. And, and a little bit like you said, uh, you asked about this before also, like, like, um, like you have to trust yourself that you're making the right decision. Yeah. And, and, and you need to have that confidence in that this is the right thing to do. So even if we haven't sold a lot of electrical machines right now, mm -hmm. and maybe, maybe that has even been a little bit lower than we expected, we still believe that we're doing the right thing. And, and, and that confidence, when we get that confidence, then people feel that we have the confidence. As mentioned before, sustainability transformation concerns everyone, sales, supply chain, and the more people are involved, the more opinions there are. The challenge is that the business needs everyone's support. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely makes perfect sense. And I think um, one of the things which I was looking at this, and we were chatting about this earlier, is you've obviously got a lot going on. You've got some massive decisions to go on. And when you, for example, selling construction equipment or supplying construction equipment, there's not just the Volvo staff involved. There's also everyone that ultimately sells all that equipment. How are you... Or how do you think you should tackle getting all these people on board with this sudden process change? Because, you know, flip it around and I'm, let's say I'm selling an, a diesel powered, you know, piece of construction equipment that I've been selling for 20 years. What is the incentive? What's the driver to me to suddenly look at electric? What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, the biggest, biggest challenge that I think we have. And I think going back to that, the technology is available so mm. the technology is there so so it's not the hardest thing to actually build an electric pieces of equipment it's it's the engine i, I wouldn't take anything away from engineering and a, from production or, they've done a fantastic job but that that is one part then to convince everyone in the value chain to make this happen that yeah. is that is the biggest challenge going forward 
and um, and to get this kind of kick started, get it off the ground to get going, I think we need a different strategy to go to market in the beginning, and then we can probably put it back into how it was before. But we need to get it kick started, and a lot of the work that we have done now is that instead of pushing down like the value chain and pushing it to to to, to sell this. We've gone in the other end and looked at the demand side so we can get the pool. Mm-hmm. So that the companies that buys the services, the customers' customers, that buys the service from the construction companies, what do they think? Do they think that there is a value in paying a little bit of a premium mm-hmm. to get uh, a project done with zero emissions? Yeah. So And then when that happens, then that triggers down the value chain. And then obviously... Then the ones that are selling it saying, okay, now we see that some people are interested. Now we can get engaged in it. And, and, but, well, and it was the question was more about the distribution, the salesman. I think that everyone that I've been in contact with on the sales side in, in our distribution, they are super excited about this. Right. Because they see, I mean, they, they look around and they see the car industry, the buses, everything. Uh, everything's changing. Yeah, everything's yeah, changing. Yeah. And it's almost like if I'm not on this bandwagon. And, and then I also think that maybe it's like a little bit like I signed up for Volvo and Volvo is a sustainable brand. So I, I'm already on this directory. But then, of course, I mean, if I'm a salesman or in the selling organization, I also need to have some demand. I need yeah. to. So. And, and then to expand on this even further is, uh, is, is I just came from a, a big meeting with a, a, a huge company, a global company, and their headquarters here in London. Mm. And, and so we had a, I had a meeting there and, and, and we discussed how, how can we make this happen. And they were like a customer's customer. And then we got from there to invite all the people in the value chain to, to call in. And we had three questions for them. They have tried off the, the, the equipment and said, we had three questions, said, what was good? What, what's the benefits? Um, what was the challenges or learning of, of using electric equipment? And can, what can we from a manufacturer do uh, and an end customer do to make this happen? And it was really like uh, uh, from the trenches of, of using construction equipment came into the boardroom of this huge corporate corporation, this big corporation of what we can do and 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 the questions was was more came to before it was more like uh, segmentation and powerpoints and, and how we do mm-hmm. it and it was more like now it came down to what do we actually have to do tomorrow to make this happen yeah what do we do now to how do we sort out that problem to get it happen to happen now so uh, I, I think you're onto something with that we need to look at the whole value chain and and I think my job or, or Volvo's job and Volvo's role in this is to orchestrate that value chain to come together to, to get the energy of, of, of making it happen. Sure. One of the reasons why we are building an online community of business leaders is that we want to share our ideas, opinions, knowledge, but also our personal lessons and experience. And one of the things I was going to ask, if you were to try and advise any other organization of a, of a strategy for this, anything that you've picked up that you've learned on your journey so far, yeah, it's probably quite a lot, I imagine. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's quite a broad we, 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 I mean, a couple of things, and we covered it a little before. It's like you have to have a strategy, and your strategy it cannot only be the product. So okay. the strategy needs to be a three sixty. You need to look at the whole whole thing with this. And so, so product is very important. It's very important that you get the technology right and right technology choices and so on. But you also need to look at the distribution, how you get to market, how 
how do you engage the market into this? And going back to then, what is your messaging that you're going to take into the marketplace? And and maybe this messaging is is like you say that that you want to live in a better world, and and, and what should that be? So so then and then and then also, I mean, there is a lot of learnings here, but also one thing that we absolutely got right is that we we made a global product. We made a product that can go everywhere. So so. We didn't make a product that is or was delivered just for this market or this market, or this market. We made a product that can go everywhere and can obviously meet all regulations because mm. it, it's it's zero. So so that was good. But then we need to think local to take a, a global product and a global concept, just like an Apple phone or a, or a Tesla car. It's a very global product. Yeah. But how do you get that into the local market? So. So, and now I don't think we can have like a global thing that happens in, in the local market. And then it's more like creating a, um, like almost like a, a small cell of people or a little a group of people that are working in that market, like a guerrilla team that is taking care and looking exactly what needs for that market. And then pull the resources and the know-how and the, and, and the budgets from a global perspective, mm. but make it happen in, in that market. And then only think about what what we should do in that market. So, so it's it's the combination of this global development of a product, just like uh, like any of the other like Teslas and so on, but really a, of a local implementation in the marketplace. Having a clear plan and strategy to achieve a sustainable goal is critical, but none of that will be effective without transparency and reporting. It's definitely something that the consumer definitely seems to care about it now which is obviously great for all of us you know for example even if you wanted to book a flight and i imagine you do lots of international travel if you go via things like skyscanner yeah you can actually search by the lowest co2 flight now yep. two years ago i seriously doubt what that was on yep. there yeah um and pretty much everything that you buy now it talks about whether it's recycled packaging where it's come from clothes you can get recycled material even car interiors you know like i think some of the new vws they're talking about how much of the interior is actually recycled material um so we kind of at that point where certainly in Europe, because that's who we talk to, we do actually care. Yeah. So personally, from my side of things, that can only be great news for you guys because you are those first people and you are taking that construction equipment into something that's going to be sustainable. So. Yeah. And that whole transparency that this drives, I mean, that's fantastic because then when you start to see the numbers, mm. so we've gone from, and, and I go back to the meeting that I had, that I had uh, here, in, here in London, <laughs> was that, so we go from that now we're all convinced we are convinced that this is the right way to go yeah. so so we know that this is the future okay so now i need to get the numbers i need to get the facts how much co2 is it and what is the cost for the co2 i i, I accept that it's ex more expensive but i want the numbers i want the, the, the facts about this and and that that we have increased that transparency generally helps helps a lot mm. and and it's like Everyone knows now what uh, what a ton of CO two is and and how that how how that um, how we can get that down and 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 so on. So I think that is extremely good with um, with increasing the transparency of 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 what this means and so we can make a make a change. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you did, please don't forget to like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast on your preferred channel. If you have any questions, feel free to ask Matt and join the community on our LinkedIn page. Enjoy your rapid fire questions and I will see you next time. Also, this podcast is sponsored by ACF Technologies. Okay.
Um, is it time for rapid fire questions? You can do some quick fire questions. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, we didn't yeah. include these uh, questions in the plan, uh, no. but if you're okay with them, we've got four uh, personal rapid fire questions. Not Very too personal. Easy. Don't Not worry. too personal. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Okay. Uh, my first question is, and we always ask this: If you could interview anyone, who would that be? Elon Musk. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite and least favorite subject at school? Ah. Oh. oh. Music. No. no singing after this, then. No, no, no singing. <laughs> um, what would be your superpower? Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. To have the influence to to change the minds of people to go electric. Right. <laughs> That's amazing because we had this conversation before, and I said that influence people's minds. They all looked at me weird. So yeah, at least there's two of us that think that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my last question is: If you had to swap lives with anyone for a week, who would it be, and why? Yeah. I go back to my Elon Musk thing. I mean, I'm I'm so so. Why I would do this is that I'm so impressed that he could make it happen. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, how he did this. It's it's unbelievable that. And then if we could do, or if we could learn, or if I could be in his shoes for a week, get that knowledge, and then I could uh, utilize that knowledge to to change the world within the construction equipment. But um, Elon Musk, that would be. Absolutely. But I love the idea of using his, his ideas to improve the construction industry. Yeah. yeah. Maybe send him a tweet. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> he, then he's going to start building construction equipment. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah uh, that's a good point. Maybe don't. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to uh, encourage him that there is another mm. segment that is very profitable. So. Mm. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is what's your opinion on hydrogen engines as a fuel as opposed to obviously EV electric vehicles? Do you think it has a place? Does it have a future? Is it going to be? Something we see more of? We're going to definitely see more of it, definitely. Uh, so I think electrification is happening now. Mm. It's it's like you build, we're building charging stations, we're building cars. That That's not going to stop. I mean, the investments, the amount of investment that goes into electrical car is, is tremendous. And then it seems like the technology is right for that segment. But then when you start to look at bigger things like trucks, yeah. uh, buses, uh, construction equipment, where it's maybe hard to get electricity out there, then hydrogen will definitely play a role. So I think there is there is a tipping point, there is a break point where the bigger they get. And I think like maybe some, I mean, when we're looking at it, I don't know, but but uh, bigger, bigger machinery will then go for hydrogen. Does, does weight have a factor? So if you've got like a big HGV, like almost all the lorries that we have on the UK road, for example, if you were to consider manufacturing an electric HGV, a big truck, is that possible, or is it? Would it just be too heavy? Or yeah, so so in in construction equipment, we we add weight to the machine, yeah. so we, we have to add because we, we counterbalance the, so we have to add uh, add weight in the back. So so for us, weight is good. Mm. So for us, a heavy battery is not it's a, a good, problem. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have to do steel in the, in the back. But for a truck that is transporting things, then weight is a bad thing. Yeah. 
So then hydrogen uh, will probably be more the direction for long haul, uh, use hydrogen instead. And then to add on to this, and I just want, don't want to de derail from hydrogen, and hydrogen is absolutely the thing, right yeah. thing. But generally, diesel engine or, or combustion engines got such a bad reputation after what happened with, with, with the scandals. So everyone went away from it and mm -hmm. went and looked. And it was really good because it really kick-started all the things with uh, electromobility and really got that in, in the forefront. But what I think will happen, and this is just my own opinion, is that we need a bridge technology. So, so, so we need something to get CO2 down faster than we can get just with electrification. Because electrification requires so much investment and so much more product coming out in the, in the marketplace. Still, I mean, all cars, or mostly, mo most cars are combustion engine yeah. cars and trucks. So, well. so this with alternative fuel, with synthetic fuels. Okay. I think that, and, and like six months ago, you never heard anything about it. No. Now I'm getting invited to webinars and a lot of things, but looking at this with synthetic fuels. And if that could be a bridge of getting like maybe maybe in certain application down to 50% of the CO2. Yeah. So you're not going 100%, you're going 50%, but you're doing it quicker because you can use the, the truck or the construction equipment or the car, and you can use the same like process of getting your fuel there, uh, but, but you're using a different kind of fuel. Then obviously synthetic fuels have some disadvantages too that they need to overcome. Uh, but I think... I think it's going to be clear that we need some kind of bridge fuel to utilize the, the product that we have today with a different kind of fuel to get it down. So it's not, you can say that it's three, three technologies that's going, to, that's going to play in. If we look at this timeline to 2040 and then 2050 mm. completely, it's the electrification, uh, hydrogen for the, the bigger product and, and, and the long hauls of products, uh, and then alternative fuels either to be a bridge or at a certain application. Thank you. Great. Any more? Yeah. No, all that's done. all. Yeah. All oh. done.